morning. <laughs> okay, kitty. <laughs> playing with the kitties? <laughs> Is that what it was? Were you playing with the kitties? Oh, no. Yeah, the kids. Uh -huh. Okay. <laughs> I thought kitty. <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, I was. Okay. Running and, and I jumping. Just, I, I tried to tag a student. He was just too fast. And I got tangled up in oh. my feet. Hey, I am sorry. I know <laughs> well, it hurts you. to hurt at this it age. Was, it was a, an interesting afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> With a whole grade level of third graders. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, hard go. Well, we better get ourselves underway. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's talking, enjoying themselves, and it's, it's good to see God's people fellowshipping with one another and uh, enjoying the company. And thank the Lord for it that we're able to meet like this. Thank the Lord for a country where we have these freedoms and you know, more and more, I take it less and less for granted. So I hope that you're grateful to God for His blessings. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Genesis chapter 1, or chapter 1, chapter 3. And uh, I want to say good morning. We want to welcome everybody to Sunday School at Victory Baptist Church. And uh, thank the Lord for this beautiful morning. And you say, beautiful, it's cloudy, it's rainy. Thank the Lord for the good rain. I'll tell you what, it wasn't... You know, how, how quickly we forget and how ungrateful a lot we are. You know, we wake up, ah, oh, it's rain, it's cold. And, you know, it, well, it's not cold, but uh, it kind of seeps in your bones at a certain age <laughs> with, with all the moisture in the air. But, uh, boy, we've been so dry, and the Lord's just blessed us with this relief. We ought to be grateful. But uh, have your Bibles open up to Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, and we're talking this month about the deliverance of the gospel, not how... Uh, Brother Lane or pastor or somebody delivers it to you, but the deliverance that it offers you, the, the believer, and you, the unbeliever. And uh, our verse this week, is, uh, or this, this week is verse 15 of chapter 3. And the Bible says, And I will put enmity between thee, the, between, mm, excuse me, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And, you know, I was thinking about something. Uh, I've been listening to a whole lot of things about the Second World War. And uh, during the Second World War, the British employed what they called the Magic Team. And it was uh, headed by a fellow named Jasper Mar Marslin, I believe is how his name's pronounced. And he was a master illusionist, fourth-generation illusionist, had a, had a theater in London that they as a family had operated for over 62 years. And they employed him. He, he offered his services to the army, and they initially turned him down. But after the, a couple of uh, times when he did things for them, they realized how useful it was. And at the Battle of El Alamein, the, uh, the Germans had had their way in Africa. Their, their uh, goal was to drive to Egypt and take over the Suez Canal and control the flow of oil that the Allies needed. So it was a vital strategic battle. And, and the, the Allies had been defeated time and time again. Erwin Rommel, they called him the Desert Fox, had been the, the cause of their defeat. Well, at this Battle of El Alamein, it was a pivotal battle because after this battle, the victory by the Allies, the Germans never controlled the continent of Africa again, and they were eventually kicked out of the continent. And what Jasper 
Marcellin, if I can say it right, what he did as an illusionist. He created the, the facade that this battle was going to be, the attack was going to come out of the south, that the Allies were grouping tanks and munitions and men. And, and he created, uh, him and his team created, uh, they, they called them sun shields. They were just lightweight coverings that they would put over tanks to make them look like trucks. And they, they grouped the trucks, supposedly, in the north. And then they, they created uh, the lightweight coverings on trucks that looked like tanks, and they moved them to the south so that the enemy grouped his forces with the expectation of the attack coming out of one direction. What he did was he deceived them. He deceived them. And because of that deception, the battle was lost. And that's what I want you to see here. We're looking at a couple things out of this section here in Genesis chapter 3, and I want to be fairly rapid, but I want you to see the deception of Satan. You know, Paul talks about the deception of Satan in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. He says that we're not to be ignorant of the devices of Satan. That word devices, it means the mindset. You understand that your enemy has a mindset, that he has a goal in mind, and he has a, a mindset that he, that he uses, that he's driving for. And his goal is that he wishes to be God. He wishes to have the glory of God. And along with that goal, his, part of his plan is the destruction of man. The destruction of man. You understand that Satan is, is, is a foe, that is implacable, and his, his goal with you is to separate you from God. If you're not already uh, born again and a believer, his goal is to keep you from God. If you are a born again believer, his goal is to destroy your testimony that you are not useful in God's service. He has a mindset. Paul also said in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11, that we're to put on the whole armor of God, that, that we might, that we might, um, that you may be able to stand, the Bible says, against the wiles of the devil. That word wiles, that, that's the word we get our word method from. It's methodia. It's the word we, he has a method. Satan has a method. And you know Satan's chief method is deception. It's deception. You know, I want you to look here very quickly in the first few verses, it, the deception of Eve. You know, the Bible says in chapter 3, verse 1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. You know, my wife showed me a video of a, of a cobra in Africa. And this thing was out on a golf course. I could not believe how fast it could move with its head about a foot and a half above the ground, its hood open, and it was moving so fast, but there was such an attraction about it. It was, it was almost hypnotic to watch this thing, the beauty and the grace with which it moved even after the curse on the ground. And, you know, Satan came to Eve, and I, I believe, you know, you have to imagine that Satan was present at the creation of man. Satan understands what, what, the, what drives and what entices man. And Satan took a form and came to Eve, and a form that obviously was a, a, attractive to her. You know, Satan makes sin look attractive, doesn't he? You know, how many times have you ever heard this? Uh, how can it be wrong if it feels so good? Satan took on a form of attractiveness. The Bible says he he's, comes to us as an angel of light. Not only that, look what Satan said. He said, yea, 
hath God said? Satan cast doubt on the word of God. Satan cast doubt. You know, um, Satan didn't come railing. He didn't come harsh. He didn't come uh, full bore. You know, you've had people come at you with their argument and they turn you off immediately. I can imagine him smiling. Hath God said? Really? Planting that seed of doubt. You know, it was Shakespeare that said that he's, he wrote, the prince of darkness is a gentleman. How he comes to deceive. And not only that, in verse 4, he denies the truth of God's word. Ye shall not surely die. That, that God's word is not so. That, God, that, that there's something more out, out there. That, that who do we believe? You know, every time there's a temptation, you're faced with a choice. You're faced with the question of, who do I believe? You know, every time we fall for the temptation, we say who we really believe. We say who we really believe. You know, God's Word in John 8, says that He is the Father of lies. Why do we believe Him? And then he creates doubt as to the goodness of God. Look what he says there in verse 5. Ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. You know, have you ever wondered when bad things happen, does God really have my best interest in mind? I mean, I, 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 it's, it's no lie. Have you ever just looked up and said, why, God? Why? Maybe it's something that happens in the moment. Maybe it's something that's happening as a long-term thing. And you said, God, could this be? You really have my best interest at heart? I think when we hear these, these prayer requests for certain things, and how Satan creates that doubt. And not only that, he creates doubt in God's word, but he promises blessings with disobedience. He promises blessings. There again, ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Blessings for disobedience. You know, there is pleasure in sin for a season. Hebrews 11.25 says that, that Moses forsook that. He didn't want that pleasure for, in sin for a season. You know, the promises and the benefits of Satan, they have a duration, but it's a limited duration. But the promises and benefits of following God are of eternal duration. Look at the lures that he uses in verse 6. It says, and when the woman saw that the tree was, what, good for food, that physical lure, that it was pleasant to the eyes, that, that emotional lure, and a tree to be desired to make one wise... An intellectual lure, how Satan comes at us. You know, it reminded me of what James said in James chapter 1, that we're tempted when what? We're drawn away of what? Our own lusts, and we're deceived. What did James say that when, when it hath conceived, what does it bring forth? James said it brings forth death. Brings forth death. The temptation of Eve. Mark it down. There will be times when sin seems right. Everything about it. 
will seem the right course to, of action to take. How many of us have ever been in a situation where we've had somebody that's maybe belittled us, somebody that's maybe um, cheated to get a position at work that rightfully should have been ours, and finally it, the time comes around when our day arrives? Do you take advantage of it? I'll tell you the truth. If I'd been in the cave instead of David, Saul would have died. I, I'm, I mean, I just know me. I would have said, thank you, Lord, what a blessing. But that wasn't the right thing. You know, I'm sure Jacob felt that way when he and his mom practiced to deceive his father. Oh, how that turned out. Satan, the deceptor. And then here, the first act of religion. In verse 7, the Bible says they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. The first act of man trying to cover his sin. You know, if you don't belong to the Lord now, if you're not saved, if you don't have Jesus Christ in your heart, you know what you're doing? You're putting on fig leaves. If you come to church, you're faithful to church, it's a fig leaf. You tithe regular... It's a fig leaf. It's a covering. It's a fig leaf. You know the thing about fig leaves? They dry up and they blow away. It doesn't last. It's a temporary covering. You know, without Jesus Christ, that's all we have is a temporary covering. But look at verse 15. God, when he curses the serpent, and there, there's so much more here. I wish we had time. He says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Where did that happen? What's he talking about here? You know, many people will say, well, he's talking about the, the enmity, the, the hostility that exists between the children of God and the children of Satan. And yes, that's true to an extent. But look how, look how the wording changes. Between thy seed, the seed of the woman, and between thy seed, all in the plural. But then it comes down here, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Where did this take place at? On the cross. On the cross. Satan bruising the heel. But it was on the cross that God crushed that head. It was on the cross that God won the victory over death. It was on the cross that God won the victory over sin in the grave. Listen, sin no longer has the, the power that it once had. We, we are no longer subject to Satan's power and powerless to save ourselves. Now God has given, given us the power through the Holy Spirit to overcome sin. Oh, death, where is thy victory? It happened here on the cross. Listen. Abraham Lincoln, I am told this, I couldn't verify it, knew a soldier that died. When he died, he was buried in Strasburg, Virginia. And they tell me that on his tombstone, he had his tombstone reinscribed below his date of birth and death. And beneath there, Abraham Lincoln had inscribed on that tombstone he died in Abraham Lincoln's stead. That's what Christ did for you. He died in your stead. 
But if you've never received him as your own, his death means nothing to you. And his benefit will never be your own. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Has there been a time when you asked him to come into your heart and save you? Don't believe the lies. Don't be fooled by the deception of the evil one. Amen. Thank you, Brother Dale. Appreciate that. Before we begin, we'll take some prayer requests. Uh, anybody on this side this morning have any special requests we need to uh, send him? Is it tomorrow? Okay, is so any biopsy done tomorrow? So just be praying for that. Uh, keep that in mind all day tomorrow. Just be praying uh, for that. Arnold? Amen. Amen. Just thank God for his faithfulness. Arnold's a grand new papa. Papa. Granddaddy. I don't know what he's going to be called. Whatever. Huh? Grouchy old man. Well, that might come after he's a few years older. <laughs> thank God for what he's done there with Tiffany and the baby. And uh, both of them just delivering that baby. Tiffany got to come home yesterday. The baby's still in the hospital for maybe a week or so. Uh, we just be praying. The baby just continues to, to grow and to everything uh, just work as it should. And uh, just be praying for them. Anybody else over here? Uh, Russ? Man. Man, be praying for Chloe. Continue to pray for her. I pray that you raise her up all the time in prayer. You're going through a lot just battling cancer and the treatments that she has to take, and just trying to stay healthy enough to take them, and infections staying away, counts staying up as they should. Uh, just be praying for her, and then be praying for Stephanie. As she heals, uh, she took a fall, broke her nose and some fingers. And uh, just thank the Lord that, you know, it wasn't no worse. Uh, you know, could have sheared some teeth off when she fell. I mean, it could have been bad. Thank God that she didn't. And uh, just be praying for her as her fingers heal, as her nose heals. Don't grab her by the nose today. Uh, <laughs> don't do that. Uh, just be praying for her as she heals. And then uh, Stephanie gave me a prayer request for Angie Waymack. Uh, she's actually uh, married to my cousin. Uh, they found a brain tumor on uh, Angie. And before they could do surgery, uh, she had a stroke took her eyesight, and uh, she's not doing very well. So we need to be praying for Angie at this time, Angie Waymack. Um, anybody else over here? Anybody at all? Anybody on this side this morning? Uh, Mary? Just be praying for Jamie's family and the death of his grandmother. And uh, be praying for Mary and Jamie as they travel tomorrow. As, uh, they go for the funeral. 
And just be praying for the family. Yeah, it's difficult. Uh, just be praying for them. God will strengthen them, give them his grace, uh, meet every need there. Anybody else over here? Uh, Kathy? Amen. Ladies had a great time here yesterday. Thank God for that. Anybody else on this side? Brother Tony, Jim's not doing well. Um, he's been sick this week. Jim Spencer? Jim Spencer. Okay. Okay, be praying for Brother Jim. Uh, he's not been feeling well this week, so we need to be praying for him. And then uh, Brother Lane's got an unspoken request. We need to be praying for that. Uh, anyone else over here? Rick, do you have... Continue to be praying. Uh, which one, Brother Rick? I came, Josie. Josie. All come out was Jolie. And Jolie, I knew you. I said, no, Jolie is not it. But Josie. Uh, just be praying for Josie. Is, uh, you know, the condition she has with her mouth and the pain. She's done very well lately. Now she's having another spike of pain. So just be praying she sees a doctor on tomorrow, Tuesday. Be praying for her. Uh, anybody else? Gail? Okay. Let's be praying. Is this Leah's? Ethan's. Okay. Ethan's. I wasn't sure which one it was. I heard Wednesday night, and I thought, well, I, I didn't know which ones it was. Be praying for Ethan's little baby that's had RSV and just can't seem to start getting better, so just be praying for that little one there. Anybody else? Anybody else before we pray? Okay, another prayer request. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, I thank you, Father, for the privilege of knowing you, for being able to call you Lord, being able to call you my shepherd. Father, I thank you today that we're able to come to your house to worship. Father, in my own life, Lord, I pray that this will be a day unlike any other day. Lord, a day that, Father, we don't just come ritualistic, Lord, or out of habit. But, Father, this will be a day that, Lord, I give you my whole life for you to use, for you to take, for you to mold, for you to make me, Lord, into that vessel of honor that you so desire for us to be. Lord, instead of a vessel of dishonor. And Father, may that be all of our desires this morning. Lord, may we put uh, priorities in order. Lord, may we just think about what we've been delivered from. Brother Dale's already talked about this morning so such a great way. Lord, we've been picked up out of an old bottomless pit of sin. We've had our feet set on a solid rock. Lord, you've established our way. Father, you've given us peace with God that was before unattainable. Lord, you've given us access. Father, our standing before you is justified. Lord, we've been atoned. Father, I thank you so much for your mercy and grace and the gift of God. 
that none of us deserve. Lord, I thank you for that unmerited favor that you've given to all of mankind. And Father, I pray that today, Lord, you'll meet with us. Lord, in every part of the service, Lord, from this Sunday school hour or on through this morning's preaching to tonight, Father, we need you to meet. Lord, we need your guidance and your wisdom, your mind. Father, help us, Lord. Help me, God. You've convicted me already, Lord, to be what I should be. Lord, to put my desires aside. Lord, that my life can be blessed, that my life can be used. Father, just bless the preaching today. Lord, may you take full control and may the sweet spirit of God have reign. Lord, may it find willing and eager hearts to hear and listen and abide and do. Father, we've heard requests this morning and Father, I thank you for your goodness. As Brother Arnold's already said, I thank you for the way that you answer prayer. Lord, I thank you that you're so able, so much more. Lord, I thank you for bringing Tiffany through the uh, birthing there and keeping her safe and, Lord, giving them a, a baby boy. And Father, I pray that, Lord, uh, as she's come home, you'll help her to heal. Father, I pray for the uh, little one there, Lord, that all of his organs will just get stronger and be able to breathe better. And Father, that you'll just help him physically and give you the glory for it. Father, this morning we think of Stephanie. And Lord, I pray that You'll help her as she heals, Lord, from her fingers and her nose there, Lord, that they'll just mend properly and the pain, Lord, won't be so bad. Lord, just help her physically. Uh, Lord, we think of Cindy tomorrow, Father, as she has this biopsy done. Father, God, you know our desires and our pleads and, Lord, how the, our requests, Lord, just for you to work and to continue to work as you have. Father, I pray that uh, you get a good report there, Lord. Everything will go well. Father, we think of Chloe this morning, Lord, and all of her uh, cancer treatments, and Lord, the, uh, the pain that she endures every day, and Lord, just the sickness of the treatments, and Father, the harshness on her body. Lord, just help her and be with Isaac and the family there. Lord, just help them uh, meet their every need. Father, we think of Angie this morning and, Lord, uh, this brain tumor that they found. And, Father, because of that, Lord, she's had a stroke and, Lord, her eyesight uh, has been taken. Father, I just pray, God, uh, to give doctors wisdom, Lord, uh, that you'll help her during this time with Buddy. Lord, just meet each need there. And Father, I, I just ask that you work, Lord, do something that only you can do in that situation. Father, this morning, Lord, we think of those that have unspoken requests. Lord, those that have burdens that only them and you know about. And Father, we all do. Lord, we all have something that, Lord, uh, is a burden. And Father, I pray, God, that you will work in every situation. Lord, that you will just prove yourself mighty. Father, you'll work in hearts. Lord, you'll work in lives. Father, you'll uh, just, in every circumstance. Father, we 
Uh, think of Jamie's family, Lord, and the death of his grandmother. Father, I just pray that you'll be with the family and help them, give them your grace, and be with them as they travel. Father, just protect them. Uh, Lord, we think of Gail's request uh, for Ethan's little baby that uh, Father has his RSV, and Lord just can't uh, seem to get his breathing back right. Father, just uh, work there and help him to breathe, give the doctors wisdom. Father, for Rick's request, Lord, for uh, Josie, Father, we just pray that you'll, Lord, ease the pain that she has there with her mouth and help her physically. She has the doctor's visit on Tuesday. Uh, Father, that you'll just work there in that situation. Now, again, Lord, I thank you. Father, we've a- I've asked a lot. But Lord, I'm so thankful that you're the one that I can ask. And I have someone to ask. Uh, Lord, that makes all the difference. Lord, you, you, you see all, you know all, you're omniscient. Lord, you care about us. Lord, you're mindful of man. Father, I'm so glad that you are. Uh, Lord, just bless our time together and we'll praise your name for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Take your Bible this morning and go to the book of Romans again. We've already looked at the first ten verses of Romans chapter 5. And what a chapter, uh, so full of doctrine. You know, it's the epistle of Paul to the Romans. I honestly believe you could call it the gospel of Romans if you wanted. There's so much doctrine here. Uh, We looked, the first ten verses, about our standing. Our standing is immutable. That word immutable means unchangeable, never changes. Thank God salvation is forever. It's forever. It's because of God. But you know our state, it isn't perfect. Listen, my standing is perfect before God. I've been justified. I've been cleansed. God looks at me through the blood of His perfect Son. My standing is perfect. My state's not. My state's imperfect. Uh, You know, it's up, it's down. It depends upon me. Your state depends upon you. But in these first ten verses that we've looked at, you know, Paul has dealt with salvation being forever. Thank God that it is. In this whole chapter, he talks about our, our standing of God being permanent, being eternal. Salvation is forever. And Paul's just dealt with uh, the fruits of sin the reality of it in our life, the evidence of sin in our life. When you get to verse 12, Paul begins to deal with the root of it. Uh, He goes all the way back to the origin of sin. All the way back to a man by the name of Adam. Hmm. Adam's fall You know, Adam, he's really the representative of ruined humanity. He's the representative of us all. If you're here this morning, when you were born, you were born in Adam. Don't ever forget that. That's important. You were born in Adam. Now, there is another representative. The second Adam. Thank God there is. 
He's the representative of righteousness, of our being able to have salvation. He's that representative uh, of all all redeemed humanity. We're going to look at that today. We're going to begin in verse 12. I don't know how far we'll get. But look in verse 12. I'll read through the end of the chapter. He says, Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law sinned was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, talking about Adam. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. Talking about the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men, to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, Grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto not just life, but eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. In Adam, all men are sinners. Don't forget that. In Adam, all men. The Bible says, we've already read Romans 1, 2, 3. What's it say? They are all without excuse. They're all guilty. There's none righteous, no, not one. In Adam, all are sinners. But thank God in Jesus Christ, all are saints. One and two. The first Adam. Listen, what the first Adam threw away, the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, regained. He paid our price. Brother Dale's already talked about it this morning. He died in your stead. He died in my stead. In Adam all die. Death reigns in Adam. But not so in Christ. Eternal life reigns 
through Jesus Christ. In Christ's family, if you're, in, if you're a child of God this morning, you've been delivered. You have been delivered from that old sin nature, that old sin disease that Adam brought about. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're no longer in Adam's family. You've been born into the family of God. You've been transferred. Thank God you've been transferred. Thank God I've been transferred. Because you see, if you're born into Adam's family and nothing ever takes place in your life besides that, you will die and go to hell by being in Adam's family and only Adam's family. But we've been delivered. God has dealt with sin. He dealt with the root of sin. The Lord Jesus Christ did that at Calvary. He paid the debt. He made a means and a way of taking us out of Adam's family and placing us into the family of God. Listen, this morning, if you're a child of God, you've been placed into the family of God. Listen, you're no longer in Adam's family. You are in God's family. You're a child of God. You're a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. God, in in this chapter here, in chapter 5, you have the contrast between Adam, being in Adam, and being in Christ. I want to look today, first off, with the problem of sin. The problem of sin. When you look at in verse 12, the problem of sin is the presence of sin. Sin is present. Look at verse 12. It says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world. Sin. The presence of sin. By one man sin entered into the world. Listen, Adam's account is not a folklore or something. Adam's account is an actual account in human history. When Adam fell in the garden, when Adam sinned, when Adam willfully disobeyed the one command that God had given him. God had given Adam a command. They all read about it this morning. He said, Thou shalt not eat of the fruit which God had forbidden. He said, If, thou do, if you do, thou shalt surely die. And Adam willfully rebelled against God. When Adam did that, the presence of sin entered into this world. Sin became present. The Word of God puts the the fall, puts, puts the blame of the fall right on the shoulders of Adam, who is the representative of all mankind. Adam was our representative. You know, Adam was made in the likeness and the image of God. It says that in chapter 2. I read, Brother Dale was right there, and I've seen that verse again this morning. In chapter 2. Now, I won't be able to find it. But anyway, we know, you've read it. Adam was made in the likeness of God. But after Adam sinned, try to get a hold of this. 
I hope I can make you, help you to understand it. Adam was made in God's likeness. But when it talks about Adam having children, uh, I wrote a verse down. I write too much stuff down. At, uh, Genesis chapter 5 and verse 3. I think it's Genesis 5 and verse 3. I want to read a verse to you. In Genesis chapter 5 and verse 3. Remember, Adam was made in whose likeness? In the likeness and the image of God. But in chapter 5 and verse 3 it says, And Adam lived an hundred and thirty years, and begat a son in his own likeness. After his image, and called his name Seth. Adam was made in God's likeness, after God's own image. But after the fall, after the fall, Adam had children, and they were born in Adam's image, after Adam's likeness, which was what? Sinful. Listen, you and I can't say we're made in the image of God. We're made in the image of Adam. Everyone, we were in Adam. You see, Adam was made in the image and likeness of God. He was, until he fell. And when Adam sinned, Adam had children that were made in his image and after his likeness. All sinners. Adam is a representative of all mankind. And you see... Everyone born, everyone born since Adam's fall was born in sin. You were born in it. I think it was Job that said, in, in, uh, sin was I conceived. We're all born after Adam and we're, not, we're no longer in that image that Adam was made after. We're in Adam's image, which is a sinful image, which is Adam, he sinned. He brought sin into this world. So you have the problem of the presence of sin. For by one man, sin entered into the world. Not only is there the problem with the presence of sin, but verse 12 goes on and talks about the penalty of sin. Look at verse 12 there again. It says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world? There is the presence of sin. The next statement talks about the penalty of sin. And death by sin. And so death was passed upon all men. Why? For that all have sinned. The penalty of sin. What was God's clear words to Adam in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17? Thou shalt not eat the fruit knowledge of good and evil, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt what? Surely die. Then we have Satan's lie, where he, Dale's already read about this morning, where he tried to deceive. He said, Hath God said, Thou shalt surely die? There in Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, when God told Adam, Thou shalt surely die, that embraced 
All of humanity. All of us. Why? Because all of us have sinned. Death was imputed immediately to Adam. The moment that Adam ate of that forbidden fruit, he died spiritually. Immediately, he died. You see, death in the Bible is a twofold thing. A spiritual and a physical. Adam died spiritually immediately. He was separated from God. What did Adam do? Adam, because of sin, went and hid. God came calling. Death was imputed immediately. All sinned in Adam. We were all in Adam. Don't forget that. You're in Adam. We're all in Adam. And all have sinned. Adam's our representative. Every one of us are an individual descendant of his. Not only the presence of sin, the penalty of sin... Verse 13 and 14 talks about the power of sin. Look at verse 13 and 14. Verse 13 says, For the promise... I'm in chapter 4. Verse 13 says, For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses... What was there between Adam and Moses? There was no law. Moses was the lawgiver. It says, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude. You see, Adam had been given a direct command, hadn't he? He said, even after the similitude of Adam's transgression, which was willful disobedience of a command of God. Now, there was no command of God between Adam and and Moses. There was no law yet. There was no law given. But it says, who is the figure of him that was to come. The power of sin. Listen, sin was in the world centuries before Moses came and gave the law. It was in the the world for centuries. But it wasn't formally charged to man's account until the law was given. It wasn't. But you see, the power of a sin, it didn't matter whether it was formally charged to their account or not, because the power of it is what happened between Adam and Moses was man still died. Man still died. I read a a statement this week, John Phillips. He said this. He said, we're not sinners because we sin." We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. That's good. That's true. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. You see, all are sinners. Adam, uh, the power of that sin is what Adam introduced to this race. All of humanity. Every one of us are guilty. There's none not guilty. All have sinned. The problem with sin is that Adam, by the fall, introduced it to his race. Even the unborn. You see, we weren't born. 
but we were in Adam. Adam is our representative. We were all in Adam. Death is imputed to us. That's why we die. Death's been imputed to you and I. Some young, some old. One thing's for sure. Because of sin, we will all die. Except for one generation that will be alive when the Lord returns. One thing's for certain. Because of sin, man will die. You know, you take an infant that dies. That's just the power of sin. That, that infant, you say, is, is, in, is innocent. But even, you see, even that, even that infant, because of the power of Adam's sin, dies. Sin brings about death. Sin brings forth death. Listen, is, is there a solution to that problem? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Thank God it is. Thank God there is a solution to that problem. When you look at verse 15, it says, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ hath abounded unto many. The second Adam. He's the answer. He's the solution to the problem that Adam brought about. The problem of sin. The gift of God here talks about in verse 15. It's, it's twofold. It's God's gift and it's God's grace. You'll read about through these next few verses. God's gift. Listen, God's gift, what it, what it does is it releases you and me from bankruptcy. We're spiritually bankrupt. There's no good in us whatsoever. We have no way of atoning ourselves. But because of God's free gift, it releases us from the bankruptcy. God's generosity, the love that God has offered. Think about the love that God's offered. That second Adam, God gave His only Son to rectify what Adam had done. Adam plunged the entire human race because he's the representative of all humans. We were all in Adam. and Adam placed us all in sin. No exception. But you see that second Adam, God's free gift. God said, I can, I, we will fix that. I can fix that. I have a remedy for that. It's called my son. It's my free gift of my son to you. Because if you will be in him... There's life everlasting. He's the solution. The free gift. In Adam's case, his sin brought about what? Judgment. 
and you read verse 16, it talks about the judgment that it brings. It says, Not as it was by one man, one that sinned, so is the gift, for the judgment was by one, talking about Adam, to condemnation. Adam's sin brought about judgment and condemnation. But the free gift, God's Son, is of many offenses unto justification. You see, Adam brought all Adam could give mankind after the fall was judgment, was condemnation. The Lord Jesus Christ, He offers justification. He offers atonement. He reconciles us back to God. That's the contrast between the two. One offers what you don't want, condemnation, judgment. But the other, His free gift offers life, eternal life being given access to God, being made acceptable to God. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ offers. He releases us from blame. We don't have time, we're out of time, but not only does He release us from the blame, sin's awful guilt. Listen, it's gone. If you're a child of God this morning, sin's guilt is gone. It doesn't only just release us from blame, it releases us from bondage. Verse 17 says this, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. One man's offense. You see, God dwells on Adam's offense. One man's offense meant that all men were sentenced to death. We were all sentenced to death. We were all under bondage. But through another man, the Lord Jesus Christ, by accepting His sufficient grace, that talks about through verses 18 through the rest of the chapter, we've been released from sin's bankruptcy. Praise the Lord. Uh, there's no longer any blame. There's no longer any bondage through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary. Verse 18 and through the end of the chapter, we don't have time. Uh, we'll stop there. We'll look at it before we start chapter 6.
Amen. Isn't that a wonderful name? Amen. The name of Jesus. Uh, it uh, brings fear to some, brings joy to many, brings comfort, strength, uh, guidance. And so what a wonderful name it is. It is a name that is above every name. And we thank God for it. Amen. Let's... Uh, Stand if you will. We certainly want to welcome you to the service. Thank God for the uh, blessing of the Sunday school hour. And God is so good to us. Amen. What a, a great day it's, it's going to be. Hey, uh, if nothing else, you just praise God for the rain that he's given us. Amen. And uh, I know we need more, but uh, hey, he, he give us enough to help us out. Amen. So praise the Lord for it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we want to thank you for your goodness, for, Lord, the sufficiency of the work of the Lord Jesus on Calvary. And, Lord, it paid a debt that we could not pay. And, Lord, it set us free from the penalty and the power and the presence of sin. And I pray today that through this service that his name will be uh, uplifted, that he might be able to draw all men unto himself. And, Lord, may the Holy Spirit of God find, Lord, uh, hearts that are receptive to the Word of God today. And we'll love you. We'll praise you. Thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Brother Tony. Your hymnal will go to page 87. 87. We'll sing verses 1, 2, and 4. 1, 2, and 4.
and you can be seated. Amen. Great song. I'm looking for the breathing marks down there at the end. I tell you, holding it out there. Y'all did a good job singing it. And uh, praise God for it, right? And be praying for Miss Barb. She just can't get over this cough. She's had it for about a week and just couldn't uh, get over it this morning. So be praying for her. She needs to get a little bit of help there. And so we'll pray for her. Brother Frankie, leave us a prayer for the offering, would you please? Yes. Yes. Amen. Take your hymnal again. Go to page 85. 85. Just remain seated. 
Again, we'll sing verses 1, 2, and 3. 1, 2, and 3. Peace 